Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Hi, guys. You know what's interesting? I've never uh, spoken in this room, and I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm with family. And it's true, because we are family. I don't know if you know this, but you have a, a weird family in Idaho, because they're in Idaho, it makes them weird right away, of about five, 600 people that worship and praise God, that are striving to learn how to be a disciple and make disciples, that are striving to change our area of the Palouse in a massive way. And you were a part of that. Many of you, I can see some faces of people that I know, you were a part of that. You helped build a, a church building. And I was thinking about this today as I was, as I was preparing to come over here and, and talk. Like This feels very much like home. And it was my home. Ten years ago, to this, in the month of July, I came over and I interviewed uh, at Real Life on the Palouse uh, for a community pastor position. And I came over and I helped set up and tear down at the uh, Pullman Church over at SEL. And I continued to do that as I accepted the position, and I continued to do that uh, for two years, from 2012 to 2014 and a half. We continued to set up and tear down as, as one big community that's striving for a simple purpose of being Jesus' church. And none of that's changed. Locations and buildings and all of that stuff. Yeah, okay, cool. And people and pastors and, you know, uh, things have changed. Like leadership has changed, but the mission of the church has not changed. Jesus' mission does not change just because we change. We are called to be disciples and to make disciples. And so we're family. Just so you know, you have weird family, but we're family. And we got to be a part of helping you guys build this building as well as you were part of helping us. And so just so you know, like, as you go through challenges and ups and downs and those things, you have family that desperately cares about you, that loves you, and we do. We pray for you. Our elder team prays for you. We have a group of, we have an awesome prayer team. They get there about 7.30 every Sunday morning. They have a list, and they write it on, on a whiteboard, and I get to see it. And Pullman and this church is often on that list. And you have about 14 people praying for this church and for this community and what God has for this church and this community. And you are covered in prayer by your dysfunctional family overnight hope. <laughs> and thank you for praying for us. So, so we're family. You know, Alex and I used to work together. Alex is the oldest, I think he's the oldest standing uh, real life employee because uh, he was here before I got, I got here. And he and I used to work together. Uh, I started as a life groups pastor uh, over in Pullman, I've had a, or over in Moscow, and I've had lots of different uh, roles. But you know, we are family. We've been here for a long time together, and this church is perfect. This church is perfectly positioned to show the show Whitman County what Jesus Christ looks like. And when I say perfectly positioned, I don't mean your building. You have a really cool building, by the way. Your screens are very nice. <laughs> but do you know? that the church doesn't reside in a building. The church left the building a long time ago. The building services the church, and the church is in you. When Jesus Christ left, he said, I'm going to give you a wise counsel. He's going, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit come and indwell in your heart. You are the church. You carry the church. It's not a building. When somebody says the church hurt me, they didn't mean they accidentally ran into the side of your building. 
What they mean is us as God's stinky, smelly sheep often can step on each other's toes and hurt each other. And that's where it gives us the opportunity to practice these things called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of those great things. And so remember that this church is perfectly positioned. It has everything. On my way over here, I was thinking about the song Jehovah Jireh. Do you guys know that song? Uh, Let me sing it for you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jehovah Jireh. God who provides. God is enough. And I want you to know that this church is enough. You're enough. We're exactly where God wants us to be. If he wanted us to be somewhere differently, he would help us be there. And it's about you engaging in your community. It's about you, you engaging in what's going on around you. You showing, you know you're going to have about 50, your town population is going to double. You know you're going to have fifteen to 20,000 new visitors coming pretty soon? This thing's going to come to life? You're going to get hit in crosswalks and stuff? No. Um, but this thing comes to life. And those folks are all coming here searching for something. Are they not? And they're going to find some things in education. They're going to find some things in their career field. But what I hope they find is Jesus. And I hope they find Jesus because you're around and you look and act and function and walk and love like Jesus the best that you can. And we are in, a, both of our churches are in a place that is a turnstile that people come through all the way and they get to experience the love of Jesus through you. And it should hurt when they leave here after four years. It should hurt you guys because they're superstar volunteers and they've learned how to be part of a church and it should hurt them because their family is here. But that's what we get the privilege of doing. We get to be in the turnstile of the world and we get to forever change people through Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about authority and faith and being bold and I think that's a perfect topic for this church exactly where it is. So, uh, one thing we, on this, we're going to look at two different passages, and they're almost like, you're like, wait, that's the same account? It kind of is, but it seems different. So we're going to look at two different passages about this Roman centurion. And we're going to focus on, uh, on, on what it looks like and why God would say something like uh, Thaumadzo, why, why he would say, I marvel at this person's faith. And I wonder what opportunities we're going to give Jesus to marvel at our faith in this upcoming season. So join with me, uh, and we're going to put on the screen here, Luke. But before we, as we do that, I want you to think about what is a Roman centurion? You know that details matter in the text. Details matter. Titles matter. Location matters. And when you get the privilege, I got the privilege to go to Israel and study under a guy named Brad Gray for two weeks this year. And it was a totally different trip than my 2015 trip. And they got like 50 years of archaeological work done during COVID. So COVID was very, a very big blessing. I went to sites that I was like, I've been here, but I haven't been here. Like completely changed. And so location matters and titles matter. So we start out with this text here and it talks about this Roman centurion. So what's a Roman centurion? little background, Rome was starting to suffer in their military exploits about 107 BC, and they needed to change the way they were functioning in their army, which looks a lot like our army today. And they created professional soldiers, soldiers who, who were the real deal. When I, when, when I say Roman centurion, I want you to think Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Well, hold on, ladies. 
Don't be all that excited about it. Think man like macho, not beautiful Russell Crowe. But like, I want you to think Braveheart. I want you to think like a really powerful dude with scars that's like, that gets it. Like he, he walks into a room and you're like, something just happened. Wow. And so uh, they were different. They got a little broom on their head that they could sweep up the mess in their helmet when they were done cleaning up. Uh, they looked different. Their badging was different. Their uniforms were different. They were professional soldiers, and they made roughly four to 17 times more than an average soldier. Soldier. Now, a centurion, you think of the word century, and when you think of the word century, you think of the word, or the, the amount, 100. So roughly, they would command 100 soldiers. Probably 20 of them were more servants, but they would command soldiers. So this person had authority. This person understood authority, and we see that in the text a little bit later on in the other account. And so when you think about authority and somebody's life being forever changed, part of being forever changed is understanding whose authority you're under and submitting yourself and putting yourself under Jesus' authority. And not just one time. Not just when you said the sinner's prayer. Not when you just got baptized. This is a daily practice of submitting your, not my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. And that's what a community of Jesus followers look like, is somebody submitting their will. Some more things about uh, Roman is, is uh, centurion is uh, they had, were usually over the age of 30. Now, what do you think the life expectancy was in uh, 0 AD? <laughs> not a long time, not a lot of great life expectancy. So you had some history behind you. Big deal. So uh, this story takes place in Capernaum, which is on the north side uh, of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, much of Jesus' ministry takes place of there, and this is where the story goes. So now we're going to talk about Luke's account. Luke, uh, his profession was a doctor. Doctors care about details. So Luke is writing this from like a third-person perspective. And who is Luke writing to? What's his book aimed at? What audience? Group of Gentiles. Theopolis. Is how his letter opens to. So he's writing to a group of people. So what he says to this group of people about this might mean something than what Matthew might say to it, because Matthew's writing to Jews. And we'll see that in the different accounts. So let's dive into the text with me as we come to God's word. Luke chapter 7. After he had finished all of his, all of his sayings in the hearings of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now... A centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death and who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews. That's interesting detail. A centurion is sending these elders of the Jews and he's asking them to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. This centurion is different. 
Some, not all the centurions were equal. Not all of them treated the people really well. But this centurion helped them build the place where they worship God. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Braveheart, gladiator, medals, big, ma- like macho guy. He's not intimidated by anything. And he says, Lord, like I've heard of your power. I understand authority. I submit to this. You don't even have to come. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. Lord, let me tell you how powerful I know that you are. You say something, it happens. I wonder where our faith is in regards to that. Do I have a faith of a Roman centurion? Do I have a faith where I'm like, well, God, if you say it, it's going to happen. Well, you're a pastor. Of course you do. No, I don't. No, I don't. But I should be striving for that kind of faith. Next. For I, too, am a man set under authority. I get authority. With soldiers under me, and, and I say to one, go, when he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And uh, to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He, uh, the, the Greek word here is uh, thaumazo. Say, th- say thaumazo. It's a Greek word. He marveled at him. It's used three times in the text. Two of them are in positive, uh, positive connotations in the other scripture we're going to look at. And then one of them is not that great. I think Mark 6, 6. Is that he's, he's, not, he's not amazed at the lack. He's amazed at the lack of faith is what he's amazed at. But he's amazed. He's, he marvels at, at this Roman centurion and turning to the crowd that followed him, who would be following him. His disciples, right? And he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found their servant well. So this is Luke's account. This Roman centurion had forever changed probably many, many people's lives in not a great way. But he believes and sees and is aware of the power of Jesus and believes that his actual words move things and change things. Anybody feel like there's like turmoil going on in our world? Have you heard of like this thing called like a, well, it's not a recession. Of course not. Like, of course not. I mean, uh, like, I felt groceries go up. I felt it. Like, you felt it? I'm like, did I just get two, three meals at McDonald's for $40? Is that why my daughter's making seventeen twenty-five an hour at McDonald's? It's like, we feel lots of things that are going on. But do you know that God's word, his power, this text can handle any stuff that you got going on? Do you know that studying this and spending time in community, I hope every one of you are in a, we call them life groups. I don't know what we call them over here anymore. We change the name about every couple of years to keep you on your toes. Um, community groups. Like, are you studying God's word together with other people? 
Do you know more about the Cougars' starting lineup this year than you know about God's Word? I'm just not a knock on it. I'm just saying, like, it should have a place, right? Are your conversations about who's going to be quarterback in the Seattle Sea Chickens? Or are your conversations about how God is actually moving and changing you and your heart? And how he's changing others. Are you talking about the stories, the faith stories that are all around you? So let's look at Matthew's account because that's different. And when I was studying this, I was like, oh, that's weird again. Like, why is it so different? And then context matters. Who you're writing to matters. What audience is going to hear this? They're going to be sitting there in a context. You got some of those bad jokes just now? Because you're in a context. If I said those same jokes somewhere else, they'd be like, what's WSU? Who are the Seattle Sea Chickens? But you understand the context. And remember that you're seeing this in context. Now, Matthew's account is a little bit different. And he kind of comes up and he's like, little kick to the keister. So let's take a look at Matthew's account. Again, Luke's account's like a third-person viewpoint. Matthew's account is, is, is showing this like as a first-person viewpoint. So we're in Matthew, uh, the faith of a centurion. Here we go. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. So now the centurion's actually like coming towards Jesus. And we're like, wait a minute, there's a contradiction here. No, think about the context. It says, Lord. I love the Lord, comma. Lord, comma. Like addressing with reverence and respect. Addressing, starting with authority. Starting with knowing whose you are. I often get the chance to introduce myself uh, at the church when I, when I preach, and I introduce myself as the lead servant. That's all I am. Well, yes, pastor, I get, I get it. But like, I'm here to hopefully model what serving looks like really, really well. And what being transformed and what being changed looks like, being transparent, being vulnerable, all of those things, like that's what draws people to the kingdom, not the fake, polished, pretty pastors. Don't get a fake, polished, pretty pastor. You want somebody that's got heart, that's got character, that is first in, that's last out. That's diving in, that you could just see their heart in a mighty, mighty way. That they're chasing Jesus. They're, you know, that's, that's, that's what I hope people see, is I get to be molded, and you get to be molded. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How's Jesus making you? How did he make you this week? What, what pieces were polished off this week? I got the opportunity to have a little patience made for me this week. I just came back from vacation, and it was a great vacation, but it was busy. And I got the opportunity to practice a little patience and practice a little forgiveness and eat some humble pie. But that's what I needed this week. I needed to hear God. I needed to be moved for his plans and his purposes. All right. Lord, comma, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to even have you come under, the, under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority and soldiers are under me. And I say, 
uh, to, to one go and he goes into another. Come and he comes and to the servant do this and he does that. When Jesus heard this, he thamazod, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Woo! Wait a minute. This land oppressor Roman centurion, powerful guy who isn't one of the children of Israel. Are you trying to say that the Pharisees, are you trying to say that, like me, I'm following you, Jesus. Are you trying to say that his faith, you're marveling at his faith? Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east in the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness in a place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Two different accounts and a correction you are not healed because, or you are not, you are not, you are not uh, uh, granted into the kingdom of faith just because your parents were. You have to choose. You have to make that personal decision to follow Jesus every day. You have to make that personal decision to submit to His authority. I love this in First uh, Samuel sixteen seven says, "But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look upon his appearance or his height or statue, because I have rejected him." For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Did we just see Jesus look on the heart of a Roman centurion? A powerful man. But God sees the heart, and he sees the heart of his people today, here and now. And he sees your heart. What do you want this place to look like? What does this church want The church is only as good as the people that are in, in here. How is God molding and changing you? Who are, who are you excited that's coming back to our towns? We have a couple extra seats that we can put some folks in here. Out of the 15,000 people that are coming back, how would they know about this? Are you planning a big moving in day where the entire church is going to be there on the Friday or Saturday when all the students move in and you're all ready to go and you're going to help them all move into their places and pack stuff upstairs? Do you care about ministering to college students? Your intern pastor does. He's devoted his life to it. They're looking for something. And what they need to find is you. They need to find a place where they're serving, where there's love, where there's compassion, where there's excitement, where there's, like they're going to have, young people are going to have some tough times when they come into to this town. Some people are going to make massive errors in their college journey. But God's people could surround them. And so have a place and the people that have a heart and a plan to love the community that God's placed you. You think he placed you in Pullman for a specific purpose? Are you just here by accident? You took a wrong turn? Couldn't make it to Lewiston? <laughs> Didn't like the smell? Turned around? No. You want it to be six degrees cooler? No, you're here for a distinct purpose. You're in this church at this time for a distinct purpose. 
I believe in this church. I believe in this city. I believe this church or the city needs an awesome disciple-making church with people that are fired up about Jesus and fired up about who God brings in their sphere of influence. And not just in the building. We didn't build a cool building. Well, come to our building. This will, this will save you. Has the building saved anybody yet? Jesus saves through us. So I want to go through these questions a little bit uh, with you, and then we'll take our time and come to communion as a, as a church here. Authority. The centurion understood, understood submitting to authority. Have you given authority to Jesus over your life? All the way over it. When you got up today and your feet hit the floor, you're like, Lord, what would you have me do today? Guide my path, Lord. Not just in a club. And sometimes churches become clubs. That's not the point of the church. The gates of hell do not prevail against Jesus' church. You want to hear something super cool? You're the second church I told this to. You know what they just found at Caesarea Philippi, north of, uh, it's on, not Caesarea by the sea, but north, it's on the north side of Israel. You know what they just found there when I was there? They just found it in the two years, since the last two years. They found this thing called a church, and it was at the gates of hell. They found a synagogue that was built at the gates of hell where Jesus talks about, that's with Peter, Peter, you are my rock, upon this church, I will, I, will build, I will build my church upon this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what they just found there? Just found there. A church right at the gates of hell. And Jesus' church does prevail. We are continued to be enlightened by what God is doing in our communities and in the Bible. We're going to learn more. Do you think we got it figured out? Do we have it completely figured out? Are we the smartest generation ever? Do we spend more time in this than any other generation ever? Do we have more distractions? Yes, TikTok's really cool. I don't do TikTok, but it's really cool, I guess. I mean, I did the tortilla slap challenge. It was great. No. God's continuing to reveal his plans and his purposes in our life, and he will continue to reveal that in this church right now. You have a part to play. You know the difference between an attender and a partner, or an attender and a member? Ownership. Be owners of the kingdom of God. Be owners of what God is moving in the hearts of the people in this room. Dig your well before you're thirsty. And what well are we talking about? Our spiritual well, our leadership well, our service well. The Roman centurion under third authority, I hope I continue to submit and understand the authority. Faith. What are some recent stories where you've seen others who have stepped out in faith and God showed up? You have faith stories? I see one right now. Are you celebrating those? Do you talk about, you know, a church cares about what it celebrates. What, are you, what does your church celebrate? What's important to this church? Because 
Where you put your time, energy, and effort, and money is what you care about. Do you care about community? Cool. Do we care about buildings? Yeah. Do we care about uh, conversions? Do we care about discipleship? Where are we putting our time, energy, and effort? What are we celebrating? It's a great question to ask. I ask myself that often with our church. What are some ways you can step out in faith, like the Roman centurion did this week? I pray that God's going to give you faith opportunities. What are some ways that you can step out? Do you still believe in what he's saying? And finally, are you going to give Jesus the opportunity to thaumadzo, to marvel at your faith? Will Jesus marvel at your faith when you go to meet him? Will he marvel at your faith now that you believed what he said and you acted on it? Even when you couldn't logically make it all sense, you're like, but the Lord said to. Are you moving forward and looking at what it looks like to, to be marveled at by Jesus? So we have a great opportunity here at Real Life Church in Pullman. You have a great opportunity to move forward in the kingdom. You have thousands and thousands of students seeking direction, seeking guidance, seeking what God would have for them through education. Do we get all of our, ad, our answers in the educational system to all the important things in life? I'm not putting it down. Like, nope. Was it some sermon that just completely changed my life? Nope. Was it some worship song that completely changed my life? Kind of. Was it me submitting on my knees, crying out to Jesus to come into my life and move my heart? Did that forever change me? What's your forever change moment, and how are you going to be a part of others? Let's take this opportunity to dive into communion. And I hope you guys hear my heart that I love this church. I believe in what God's doing here. I believe in what God's doing here for a long time, and he's going to continue to move forward mightily right here in Pullman. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.